in the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father father of Salomon, and Salomon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shiltiel, and Shiltiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Bayud, and Abayud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azar, and Azar the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Elihud, and Elihud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, and Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was Jesus was born who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did it as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, one of the struggles of Christmas for Christians, even, is we know the story so well. We don't let it affect us. So you've got to push back on the familiarity of it so you can let it affect your heart and get a good perspective. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the help of your word. And Lord, we thank you for the hope of your word. As Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd help us right now. You have opened our hearts. You'd encourage us with your word. And you would teach us. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
what's your perspective? It's that time of year in our house tomorrow. I'm going to make my family watch It's a Wonderful Life uh, one more time. And they, 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 uh, they endure it. And he, he, it's, still a great, it's still a great movie. The, the story of It's a Wonderful Life is George Bailey. It's a little kid who has great dreams and great hopes and a big perspective on life that he feels he never gets accomplished. The problem with the story with George Bailey and George Bailey's story the whole way through is he doesn't have a true perspective. He feels like he has no power, and therefore he pretty much has no peace all the way through the movie. That's actually the backdrop of almost every Christmas story. It's the story of Elf, the story of Home Alone, wrong perspective, uh, no power, and so no peace. I mean, that, 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 that's the story of stories. It's, it's actually the human story, isn't it? That's, that's really the, most of our own stories. Uh, we have a problem with perspective, I mean, which makes us feel very powerless at times, which creates in us a sense of absolutely no peace. Someone I heard say, well, what kind of world do we live in? They see everything that's going on in the world, and they say, what, what, what kind of world are we living in? And the world that we are living in is a world where God is with us. That's what Matthew 1 says. We live in a, girl, in a world with God with us. That's the overall theme of Matthew's gospel, is God with us. And he wants us to have this Perspective and what we need, if that's true, it's what Matthew says, that this is the, the, the perspective that is true for the world, for us, is that God is with us. And so we struggle, don't we, with perspective? We struggle with feeling very powerless at times, and we struggle with power itself, and we struggle with peace. And so what we want to do is we walk in this morning and push back from everything that's calling our perspective to something else, is to gather perspective on those three things. We've we, we got to gather perspective. Perspective's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to find perspective. I, I asked Jeff Dold about this with art. Um, when you draw, per, per, drawing perspective is, is, is difficult. And he, um, he's an artist, and I said, is this true? I read this. And he said, yes. And he goes, but Picasso never figured it out. Uh, and he became famous. It's hard to get perspective and hard to draw perspective. But Johnny Erickson Tata, who spent her life in a wheelchair for over 50 years now, she said, perspective is everything when you are experiencing the challenges of life. We have to gather perspective, which is what Matthew's gospel helps us do if we listen for it, if we look for it, if we, if we see it. It's a... It's not the normal way that you would start a compelling story, is it? This, this long genealogy? That's not the way we would expect uh, that this would be the way the good news would come in. 400 years of silence, God hasn't spoken um, for a long time, and then, then this, is, this is how you're going to bring up that God spoke and, and, and announced things with this long genealogy? It takes patience to read through it. It could also be a little bit boring and dull as you try to read through. Well, why is it in there? Why, why is there this long genealogy? It's an interesting way to start. He starts out the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ 
which in the Greek would have said the book of Genesis or the book of beginnings. And so when they first read this from the beginning, they would have read that and said the book of beginnings. They would have instantly connected it back to Genesis where in the beginning God created the world. And then they give this long line and long list of people and time and struggle that goes by. Why does he do that? Because he wants us to gather, we need to gather perspective. We need to gather perspective that what he's talking about, who Jesus is, he he didn't just jump into history. This has been the whole story of the Bible all the way through. This is the point of the Bible, is Jesus. And it's all connected. It's one long story. And the God that is with us is a God who is extremely patient. he's, he's, He's gone through lots of time to get things accomplished and to bring his answer to the world's problems together. And he does it in a very particular way. The perspective that you have to gather for some of your lives is the patience of God for you and amongst you. And while you're waiting for God, God's very patient. He took thousands of years to bring the answer in. He does it in a very particular way kind of way, this perspective. It's, this is a condensed genealogy. It's not every, everybody that was connected to Jesus all the way, way through, but there's very prominent themes when you read Matthew's genealogy to gather this perspective of who is Jesus and, and, and what, what, what does it mean. All through these characters, it's this theme that God called out Abraham, and from Abraham and all these characters that are filled with, if you read them and read them slowly and think about it, all these characters in the Bible that, that had scandal connected to them, that were sinners, and they didn't do things right, and all through it, that was God's plan all the way along. It was all connected, which means God sovereignly over, over all of it. What's seen in Matthew chapter 1 in this genealogy is the perspective that this is not random. It's very particular, and it's with very particular people, and it's a very particular sovereign God who direct the whole process. When I was 19 years old, I came across a book called Trusting God When Life Hurts by Jerry Bridges. Because life hurts, doesn't it? And for many people at Christmas time, it's not easy. It's difficult. And it's hard. So I had read this book, Trusting God When Life Hurts, and the, the overall theme that I got at 19 was the sovereignty of God, and it, it never has left me. The perspective you have to have on your life is that God is sovereign over every area of your life. He's, he may work in time, and it may seem slow and long, but God's working. He, he, this is the particular thing that, Matt, that Matthew's gospel says. It's, it's, a, it's a God who looked at the people he uses. Scandalous stories that he took time after time after time, years and years to develop. And through it all, God sovereignly worked through every mistake, every disappointment, and every tragedy. And if you don't get that perspective on God and the sovereignty of God, you're not going to have the right perspective. Because that's how God works. God works and allows very deep disappointments. He allows deep hurts. 
to accomplish greater purposes. He's very specific in this. The people that you read in the genealogy, to gather this perspective, is a particular God showing a particular way he does things to proclaim his mercy over it. When the, when the, when the names of the people in that genealogy are surprising. And a first century Jewish reader would have been absolutely stunned by it and would have questioned it. And First of all, he has these lists of women that, that, that aren't prominent women, actually. They're not, they're not women of, of promise. There's Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. They're not prominent women. They could have understood that, but they're just they're, they're, they're women who have been used in, if you know the Old Testament, were a part of the story of God. But all four of those women that he uses to, to tell us of the lineage of Jesus had unique stories. Tamar acted as a prostitute, the Old Testament tells us, and tricked, tricked her father-in-law. Rahab was a prostitute and was a foreigner and demonstrated great courage and faith at Jericho. Ruth was an outsider from Moab who wanted to stay with her mother-in-law and married Boaz. Uriah's wife is Bathsheba who slept with David and who had Solomon. Perspective you got to get from that if you go back and read these stories and all the men, Abraham and his lack of faith, Jacob and all his struggles. These, this lineage of Jesus is not perfect people. It says God is with us and God is with people with problems. And God is with people who are sinners. And God is with people who, are, who have struggles. And God takes that perspective and says this is what he, what you, you got to gather that perspective. Is that, that, that's the perspective for your own life. Whatever your struggle is right now, God's sovereignly over, in control over it. He's guiding it, and it may take lots of time, and it be, may be very unbelievably s- slow. But we, and he uses even your mistakes and even your problems to, to develop for you. And what he wants to develop is a trust and a confidence in God. That's the perspective he wants you to gather. Because you, if not, you will ride your life into a ditch in the wrong way. You'll, you'll, you'll say, why me, God? When's this going to change? I've asked for this. I've, I've prayed for this. Why is it so hard? It should be easier. No. Go back and read the genealogy of Jesus and the way God moves sovereignly and slowly and surprisingly with very surprising people. Tim Keller said, you cannot judge God by your calendar. God may appear to be slow, but he never forgets his promises. He may seem to be working very slowly or even to be forgetting his promises, but when his promises come true, and they will come true, they always bust the bank of what you imagined. Is that your perspective of God in your life right now? I mean, the real you wakes up on Monday. Is the perspective of God for you, that God, you are sovereign over everything in my life. And even if you're working slow, I'm gonna trust your promises because I know you're good. We gotta gather that perspective that's what he brings us to. And then it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ. 
took place this way. It's the most common thing in all, in, in all the world. It's, it's even less than common. That the Messiah, Christ is not his last name. It means Messiah. That Jesus, now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place. The Messiah took place. This whole line that Matthew talks about, all these people, he talks about these generations. This is, not a, this is a lineage picture of kingdom, of, of the kings of Israel. It's a, it's a royal line genealogy. He's giving all these kings, not all of them, but he's trying to paint and say, hey, through this lineage, the royal king, the true king of Israel, Jesus comes. So it's a royal lineage. And so it's about power. There's great power in this whole phrase. I mean, there's, there's, there should be power. He's talking about kings of Israel, and then he's talking about Jesus. And so it makes us, has to make us have a change of our perspective on what true power is. To look at it correctly. Jesus came who is the true Israel, the true king of Israel. He comes and he's born in a stable and he's born in a lowly birth. This says something to us about what true power is and what our perspective on power has to be to become. There, there's a great quest for power, obviously, isn't there? All week long in the news, you're going to go home, and all you're going to hear about is this, this quest and control for power. And we as Christians, we as followers of Christ, have got to have a, we got to gather a grasp of right perspective on God, and then we have to grab a right perspective on power. And this is the true perspective that God gives of us for power. I heard this week that there was a senator recently who spent $63 million of his own money to become a senator in the United States government. $63 million of his personal money for one reason, so he can have power. Power's powerful, isn't it? People will go to all kinds of things to get power. And we, if aren't careful, we live in that culture. That's the world that we live in. You may not have $63 million to gather for power, but we're all looking for power in some way. We've got to have a right perspective on power, and Jesus Matthew 1 says, this is the perspective of power, that God with us, power, true power, should look like this. It's not about grasping. Philippians 2 says that he he took on, he emptied himself. The the only one who had the right to have the power came, what true power does, it it empties itself. And it it didn't grasp it. It wasn't trying to, true power... God says it's to be grasped. It's, it's not about grasping it. He, he emptied himself. It, didn't, it wasn't about gathering stuff for himself either. I mean, he, he, he's the king of Israel, the one true king, and he, and he gave up the right, he says. And he didn't try to gather for himself, which he could have had the right to do. He, he didn't do it. And nor was it about guarding against other people and just trying to keep people away, making his life a certain way, which is very significant. You say, I'm not in a political power, but we do this constantly. You know why? These people, putting up with people is hard, isn't it? If we're honest, that's what power is all about, trying to control people and control situations and control your, your life. And Jesus didn't do any of those things, even though he knows that putting up with people is Hard. Because true power is a demonstration of genuine love. Bono, who's a lead singer for the band U2, a couple years ago, was 
came to faith at a Christmas Eve service. And he said, the idea that God, if there is a force of love and logic in the universe, that it would seek to explain itself is amazing enough. That it would seek to explain itself by becoming a child born in poverty and in straw. Bono said, I I just thought, wow. Just the poetry. I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn to this. Love needs to find a form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. And with all the power that God has, he loves us and he came to us and he he puts up with people. You you, you say to some people, hey, uh, people would say, I don't believe in God, but if I was God, this is what I would do. And once they get done talking about how they're going to give world peace and solve all the world's problems, uh, then, then you'd ask them, and so what, what would you do if, if somebody went against you? I'd zap them. That's what I would do. That's what I would do if I was God. Because putting up with people is hard, isn't it? And God came in to be with us, real, real people just like us. And he entered into and he gave up his power. And, and, and through it all, all the people that followed that, Joseph, Mary, they, 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 their answer was, not my will, but thine be done. What, what's your perspective on power? Are you trying to just grasp up even your own little world? Or you manipulate situations? You manipulate people? You, you try to deal with things in a certain way that you, you control them? Jesus didn't do that. The God of the universe came in human form and, and, and gave up the, the right And he demonstrated true love for us. True power is self-sacrificial love, is what God says. That's that's what true power does. True power that God has for us. And when you understand that, we can say to God, then not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. That moves us with a perspective of the power and the perspective that we need to gather to just the true source of what we're looking for, the true source of peace. Matthew chapter 1 says very simply that the only source of peace is found in a person. Jesus, he will, he, he will save his people from their sins. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to fulfill the story of God's chosen people. That he created the world, the world rebelled, he called out a people for himself, and through their stumblings and stammerings, God sovereignly was in charge of all of it and guiding it, and he brought Jesus himself. God came into the world to rescue people from their sins so that they can have true peace. The word in Israel for peace is shalom, which has the idea of fullness, or wholeness. Jesus came in so that we can be fulfilled, that we can be completely whole, which means peace is absolutely possible. More importantly, peace is present. Emmanuel is God with us. We've heard it so much. It's so hard to keep the perspective. We've heard it so much that we almost sometimes lose what it's really saying. God is with us. In the chaotic mess that we see on the news, 
and live in your situation, God is with us. Peace is available. Corey Ten Boom, who was in World War II, her family had a clock shop. She was a Jew in Germany. They took her family, put them in prison. Her dad died in prison. Her sister died in prison. She said this, if you look at the world, Corey Ten Boom, who spent years in a concentration camp, this is the perspective that she had. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. How, how can she say that? How does a, a girl just live in life in Germany, helping at her dad's watch shop, who's just a, had no choice being born a Jew, how does she watch and see all the things that she sees? Her, her dad gets killed. Her, her family's business destroyed. Her sister dies, living with fleas so badly that the guards wouldn't even come back to their area. How, how does a human being go through all that and come out with the perspective that if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. How can she find any rest in that? Because she knew Emmanuel is God with us. And she humbled herself. And she said, not my will, but thine be done. And, and she did something with that, with, with that to help her gain that perspective and compete that perspective. She got fat. When Billy Graham died, his son said, one of the things about my dad was he, he was fat. He was faithful, available, and teachable. When the, royal, when the British royals get together on Tuesday for Christmas, they have a tradition that when everybody shows up, they get on the scales and they weigh each other. And then at the end, they weigh themselves again. Because in the early 1900s, with the, with, with the poverty, they, they wanted to make sure they ate well, that they feasted, that they celebrated. And so they wanted them to gain weight. The perspective that you've got to have this perspective that we have to have is we need to hear that God is with us and we need to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And we say, God, help us to be, help me, help me to so believe that and so live that, that I'm fat, that I'm absolutely, I'm gonna be faithful to you even when it's very hard. That I'm going to be available even when you call me to do something I'm not really comfortable with doing. And you call, that I will be teachable even when I don't understand why. Because when you pause and do that, that's, we get that perspective. As followers of Jesus Christ, true power and true permanent peace is available because God is with us. The sovereign God of the universe sent his son. God became flesh, lived the life that we could not live, died the death we could not and deserve to die so that we could have eternal hope. So he says in Romans chapter 8, what shall we say to these things? What's your perspective? What are you going to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, we who was also raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who? This is your, ask, what's the perspective if God is with us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. God is with us. Is that your perspective? As you push back on Christmas, is that your perspective? Do you have that peace? Because that kind of peace will bring joy to the world. 